1: conquer the weekend in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
2: welcome in dc maryland and virginia the dmv it's a hot one out there today hopefully you're staying cool commander's training camp was awesome today and hearing doc talk about football i could listen to that all day i really could. I get, and I get fired up every time I see a video of him talking about, after training camp, talking about the the practice and talking about the guys working out afterwards. Love Doc Walker. So it was awesome hearing him on the radio for the last three hours. I'm going to carry you for three and a half hours. We're going to take you up until Nationals baseball tonight. Game three between the Nats and the Mets. Nats will look to get a win in this series. I was kind of hoping, I was talking about this with on Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant Paulson. We're going to get into football here in just a second. But we were hoping that... There was a chance that maybe the Nationals could go up there and win this series. Now all they can do is split, but how nice would it have been if they could have won up, went up there, won the series, and made the Mets sell? And they kind of already are. I saw that David Robertson got dealt. We'll talk about the trade deadline coming up at 6 o'clock. But he got dealt. Scherzer said that he's having a meeting with the front office to kind of figure out, hey, what's the plan here? Because I'm trying to win a championship. I'm not here to hang out You know, the last couple years of my career. So... We'll talk about that coming up at 6 o'clock, but we got to start with the news of the day, and we're going to spend a majority of the show talking about this. Training camp has been totally different for Washington this year. Night and day. Night and day. Look at the picture that Nikki Jabvala put out on Twitter of last year's training camp compared to this year's training camp, and that was just a couple days ago. I believe that was Friday, so I think that was yesterday, or maybe even Thursday. Today? Totally different. Totally different. And seeing all the fans out in droves, I got there. So I showed up as a fan today for practice. And I got over to Dulles Town Center where they have free parking. They're shuttling people over there. I got there around, let's say, 7.20. They were supposed to start shuttling people at 7.30 with gates opening at 8 o'clock. I think they realized very quickly that wasn't going to be feasible with the amount of people that were going to show up today. And so I got there around 720, and there had already been numerous buses to go over to Commander's Park in Ashburn. Already, plenty of people in line. Lines all the way from the front gate there, if you've been out there, all the way out to the road there. All the way out that way. I finally get in. There's plenty of people already inside. And this is, you know, 7.45-ish. Practice doesn't start for another hour and 15 minutes or so. And people are still piling in. Santana Moss was out there. Got to meet him. Pierre Garcon was out there. I saw him when I was leaving. Him and Santana were signing autographs and taking pictures with the fans. But just the excitement that you see. And the, the vibe is just so different around this football team right now. And it's barely been a week since the ownership change. And one thing I want to do as well, a lot of times what we've done, and understandably so, is we compare everything that the new ownership has done with the old ownership, and my goal as things go forward is to not mention the old ownership unless I absolutely have to. But I want to give credit to Josh Harris and this new group. You obviously had Friday of last week when he called in to Grant and Danny and bought everyone beers. Epic moment, something that, as a station, We're going to never forget. And people in this area for a long time are never going to forget. But today, they're handing out fan packs to everyone that was there. And it's nothing crazy that's in there, but there's a little notebook that you could have maybe signed by Santana Moss. There's some sunglasses. There's a little fan. There's some chapstick, some sunscreen. Simple, but it's a home run, something that you haven't had happen with this football team in so long. After practice today, I saw that. Plenty of the media members were tweeting about it. Josh Harris brought in an ice cream truck just for the media on a day where it's 90-plus degrees and as hot as could be out there and you're baking in the sun, give guys some ice cream. And who knows how much that costs out of pocket, but it's the little things that they're doing so well. And I want to focus primarily on football today. That's my goal. I want to talk about the commanders. I want to talk about CM Howell. I want to talk about this defensive line. I want to look around the NFL and look at training camp storylines around the NFL. I want to focus primarily on the football. But I think one thing that we need to do a good job of here is realizing we don't have to compare Josh Harris to the old ownership group anymore because the old ownership group set such a low bar that I could go in there and essentially sit in my office and do nothing, and you'd be thrilled. Josh Harris isn't doing that. He's going above and beyond so far. Now, we'll continue to judge him as things go forward. But what he's done so far has been a home run. And I just wanted to thank him for that. You know, I just want to go out of my way and say, let's give him some credit. Now let's get to the football side of things. Awesome day to see the guys out there. Emmanuel Forbes had what would have been a pick six. I think it probably would have been one of the first he's had in camp. Sam Howell, the offense looked a little bit rough. We're going to talk with Chris Russell coming up in about a half an hour at 3.30 get some of his thoughts, because he was out there at training camp as well. But I do want to hear one thing to start us all off. Ron Rivera was out there, and I think he understands what this fan base has gone through. I think he understands, because I got a buddy that was out with me today. Shout out my guy, Mac, if you're listening. But he was out there today, and he hasn't been a football fan for too, too long. Last five, ten years or so. And so he doesn't understand what this fan base was. And I think if you asked a lot of the players, they're probably in that same boat. They don't understand what this fan base once was. Ron Rivera was playing in the 80s. We talk all the time about him being on the 85 Bears. He would understand, then, what this fan base once was. And hearing him talk about that today, it gets you emotional. It gets you excited about what this football team can be.
3: Make sure you guys get out and say thank you to these people coming
1: out. Understand that, guys. These people never quit on us. They just hadn't shown up,
3: okay? And they had their reasons. They're coming back, they got their reasons now. Give them another reason about who we are and who we can become as a football team. Understand that that's important for these folks. It's
1: important. Tremendous amount of history, good history, and we want to get back to it. We want to repeat history, okay? All right, here we go. Team on three. One, two, three, I want to say thank you all very much for being here. Really do appreciate you guys coming out and supporting the football team, supporting our players. It's a big deal to have you folks back here. It means a lot. Even during the hard times, I know you guys are there. You guys are behind us in spirit. But being out here, our it brings energy. It brings a lot of energy. And again, we need that going forward. We need you guys to continue to be here to, continue to show your support and love to this football team. And one quick question. Were you not entertained?
2: Look at Ron Rivera going full gladiator. That's awesome. That's awesome. But again, Toby Altizer with you. You want to hop in on the phones, 800-636-1067, 800-636-1067 on the MGM National Harbor Listener Lines. You can tweet at me, at Toby underscore Altizer. I want to hear from you guys today. If you were out in training camp today, the last couple days, you're planning on going, give us a call. What do you think of Sam Howell? What do you think of this defensive line? Plenty to talk about with the Commanders. We'll get into some National Football League as a whole stuff in just a little bit. But That's an awesome clip to hear from Ron Rivera, because like he mentioned, this fan base has never left. This fan base has gotten smaller over time, right? Because I think a lot of the young kids in this area aren't Commanders fans anymore. They grew up as maybe Ravens fans or Panthers fans or, you know, in the social media age, whoever the best quarterback or whoever their favorite player is on Madden. You know, that's kind of where we're at. But this fan base isn't gone. I think so many of the players, though, didn't realize that. And Ron telling them, hey, guys, look, this fan base had reasons. I think you know why. (laughs) I think you understand what those reasons were. But they're back. And they're going to continue to come back, show them some love. And just listening to the guys. We could play clips about just about every player that's been interviewed so far over there in Ashburn after practice. Jahan Dotson's talked about it. Deron Payne's talked about it. Chase Young's talked about it. There's a different energy out there. The fans are out in droves to watch this football team and support them, and it's a totally different environment. And I think it's beautiful that us as fans can show these players that, look, we still care about this football team. There have been reasons why plenty of people have not shown up. Like Ron mentioned, there have been plenty of reasons why you haven't seen these people that are out at training camp but that reason is gone that reason is done and you're going to see these people and i think these players i don't know if they even recognized what this fan base was or is because so many people just haven't been out they play games at fedex field and it sounds like lincoln financial east right with philad or west i guess right technically I'm terrible at geography but it sounds like philadelphia When the Eagles roll into town, when other teams roll into town, they were talking about Jay Gruden when he was on with Grant and Danny was talking about, I think it was the Vikings or someone. They had to go to a silent count when he was coaching because of the fact that so many fans of the opposing team were in the stands. I'm hoping that's not the case this year. We'll see. But week one against the Cardinals, I want to get out there. I do. I want to see what this environment's going to be like. And I think the players do, too. I don't think they understood what this is like. I don't think they understand the tradition and the love that people in this area have for the Burgundy and gold. You know, when Doc Walker talks about training camp before, talks about what it was like at RFK, how many of these players, if they haven't been steeped in the tradition, if they didn't grow up in the area, I bet you Chase Young knows about it. I bet you Jarrett Patterson, some of the other guys that are from this area know about it. But what about guys that grew up in Florida or California or Texas? Do they know about all this? Do they know about the RFK stands shaking, saying, we want Dallas? Do they know about all that? I don't know that they do. But guess what? Them seeing thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people rolling into training camp on the first Saturday haven't even had a padded practice yet. And seeing the stands packed like that, seeing people lined up all the way outside of Commander's Park to get in and then to get out, I think they're starting to understand that this is a different feeling. This is a different vibe around this franchise. This is a fan base that is alive and well. Leaving the park today, all right? Leaving training camp. I knew I had to be here. I needed to leave the house around 145, 2-ish, being in the Herndon area, get down here. I knew all that. And I decided to walk all the way back to Dulles Town Center from Commander's Park because the line was so long. If you've been over there, the line was stretching all the way from out the front gate all the way into where the stands were by the practice fields. That's how long the line was to get out. Because that's how many people were over there to watch practice today. Practice. You heard Doc Walker talking about it. He's not even excited about all this stuff because they're not padded up. But so many people were out there to watch this team. And I think players are starting to realize that this is a different fan base than they've grown accustomed to. You know, the fan base that isn't filling up FedEx Field, the fan base that often gets outdone by other teams, that's not going to be the case going forward. I don't think it is. You know, FedEx Field still has its problems. It needs to be fixed. You know, there's definitely things that still need to be done. But the fan base is back. And I don't think people realize how much this is going to affect the the players, the coaches. You hear it from Ron. This is going to be an awesome thing going forward. And seeing this resurgence, seeing the, the vibe around the team, hearing the excitement from the fans, I think it's going to make a huge difference. I really do. All right, we'll get into some more of the football stuff here in a couple minutes. I want to talk about Sam Howell. Not the best day for the offense out there at training camp. It's the first time I've been able to get out there and see them, but not super sharp. We'll talk about them. Also want to talk about some of the things that have been said throughout the first couple days of training camp. We'll do all that next here on 106.7 The Fan, to Team 980, and the Odyssey app.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: with you up until 6 30 talking about the commanders I was out there at training camp today want to give you some of my thoughts before we get to talking to Chris Russell coming up about 15 minutes get his thoughts on training camp first couple days no padded practices yet that'll start I believe on Tuesday's the plan or at least Tuesday or Wednesday so we'll get into some of the hitting and the real football stuff but it's been fun seeing what's going on. So here's some of the things that I noticed today. Again, th- today was my first day out there. I know Lanell, some of the other guys have been out there every single day. So be interested to hear what Chris Russell has to say. But today, offense not super sharp. I saw Sam Howell struggle a little bit. He threw two interceptions to my recollection. One of them, you've probably seen the clip floating around of Emmanuel Forbes had what would have been a pick six today. The pocket collapsed on Howell. McLaurin was kind of running a shallow cross, and Howell was like fading away and threw it across the middle. Forbes jumped in front. It would have been a pick six, which I tell you what, that's nice to see because that's Forbes' specialty. That's what you drafted him to do, was to create turnovers. So it's good to see. Not great from Howell. The other interception, Diami Brown probably needs to catch it. It went off his fingertips across the middle, but it was high. So we'll see. But overall, the offense was kind of shaky, it wasn't great. Wasn't anything that made you feel excited? Because today I was planning on (laughs) throwing a pep rally for Sam Howell in a lot of ways. I'm pretty excited. We're still going to talk about him coming up in just a little bit. I want to get into why I think that he can be a good asset for this team. I think that he can be someone that helps propel this team from what they were last year to going forward and taking that step forward. But a little shaky today. Some things I saw with the offense, offensive line was not great. But I, I don't know how much you want to take away from that, considering they're going up against a dominant defensive line. And we'll get into that more in just a second. But some things I saw with the offense. So they were running some orbit motion, some stuff that you saw in Kansas City. You know, just looking for little things that you've seen before with the Chiefs that maybe they'll bring over with Eric Bienemy. And they run some of that orbit motion. Think of Curtis Samuel coming in motion, sweeping around, then running back out like he's running a swing route, direction he came. They ran a misdirection tight end screen where they run like a play action. It's kind of slow developing, and then they throw it to Logan Thomas. Think about they've done that with Travis Kelsey before. So some things that you have seen before, I think they're going to incorporate into this new offense here in D.C. But I'm interested to see what the enemy has up his sleeve going forward. Like I'm interested to see what else he decides to change. How much is he going to bring over from Kansas City? What's this offense going to look like? The one thing I'll say about Sam Howell is he was pretty good on the quick timing stuff. So there was a couple passes where it was just a quick five yard stop route for someone in the slots, and he hit him right on target. There was one on the outside. Dotson runs like an eight to ten yard curl route, and he hits him before he comes out of the stride and turns around. So those are the kind of things that I think maybe they'll try to incorporate. But the important thing is if you're going to try to make that the bread and butter of the offense, some timing routes, which I wouldn't hate because it seemed like Howell liked that. And you saw some of those throws in that Cowboys game as well where he's throwing the ball before the guy even breaks and kind of leading them to the spot, throwing it to a spot and letting his guys go get it. I like that for Howell. Also, it's something that you can practice routinely as opposed to some of the other stuff, the feel routes, depends on the defense. As long as the receivers can get a free release or a good release, you can kind of practice that stuff as much as you want, even if it's on air. So I like those sort of routes, but they have to have a deep passing game for that to be the case, and they did not have one today. The only deep pass that was really hit in 7-on-7 or 11-on-11 was from Jake Fromm. And if Jake Fromm is throwing passes in a football game for this team this year, uh, good luck. That's not exactly what you want to have happen for that team this year. So we'll see. you know, again, it's one day, nothing to be too crazy about. Not like you can take tons of great, not like you can take tons of bad. It's one day of practice. You know, maybe he comes back on Tuesday and is 10 times better. You don't want to overreact. You don't want to just completely give up on a guy because of one bad day of practice. So I'm still in on Sam Howell, but he did struggle a little bit today. That being said, a couple things stood out for me this week in the press conferences. So, number one, I talked about the defensive line being crazy good, right? Being dominant. I heard Doc talking about that on the drive-in, that these guys want to be dominant. Deron Payne in his press conference this week, I thought had a great clip where he was talking about being a dominating unit on the field.
3: Oh, I just want to go out there and take over games. Like, I want us to be the most dominant group on the field, like, every game. Like, we got... We got the capability to do that. We got a bunch of monsters on the edge, and then we got me, J A, the Ridgeway, and a whole bunch of other guys on the interior. So I feel like we got all the pieces we need to just take over games, dominate and and, and just uh, like lead the team.
2: And that's one thing that if you talk talk about getting off the bus, right? Players when they get off the bus can be intimidating. They have that on the defensive line. Montez Sweat is an intimidating figure. Obviously, John Allen and Deron Payne, and Chase Young more so than probably any of those guys just because of his height, his size, the wingspan. Like, they, those guys are built different. I know we talk about that. You hear that a lot from young people, built different. Those guys truly are built different, and that's what I like to hear from Deron Payne. I don't want them to just do their job because doing their job, okay, maybe they each end up with five, six sacks. You get Payne you know, five sacks, Allen, five sacks. You get uh, Sweat and Young on the outside, eight, nine sacks. Okay, they do their job. No, I want them to dominate. And that's one, some, one thing that I think we need to look at here with the whole defensive line unit is maybe don't look at individual stats. I know you're going to look at the end of the year and say, whatever Chase Young did, whether that's going to justify a big contract or not. Same thing with Sweat, looking at Pain after the big Payday, was he worth it? Same thing with Allen. You're going to look at the individual stats. How are they working? Turn on the game, and if they're making game-wrecking plays, maybe it's because Payne is dominating so much that they're doubling him and having to go one-on-one with Allen, or vice versa, or Sweat needs to be chipped every time, and they can't get the passing game going, or Chase Young is just creating havoc in the run game. Like, I think that the stats are going to have to be almost as a whole unit. Because if they're all working well together, one of those guys, maybe even two of those guys, is going to be creating problems for that offense every single snap. Like, those guys should be dominating games. And it's good to hear one of the leaders, because John Allen and Deron Payne really are the leaders of that group, it's good to hear that they don't want to just be good at their jobs. They want to dominate. And they truly can take over games. I mean, you've seen with... at times with Tom Brady, what was the way to win games against Brady? Get him off his spot. Get pressure up the middle. What can the commanders do? They can bring pressure up the middle with just four. Having Allen and Payne bring pressure up that middle. And then you've got two elite edge rushers, or should be elite edge rushers, and Montez Sweat and Chase Young. And Chase Young looks like he's got that burst back. Chase Young looks healthy. We'll see what happens. We'll see if there's shenanigans or whatever. Who knows? But he understands that he needs to prove himself to garner a big contract. Montez Sweat understands the same thing. So both those guys are going to be fighting to not only help the team win by dominating the football game, but, hey, let's put some more cash in our pockets by getting to the quarterback and finishing things off. And that's what I want to see from Sweat, really. We talked about this with Payne last year, going into his contract year, and he lived up to it was he makes a lot of plays or gets right to the plays but doesn't make them, right? He's right there, but he doesn't finish them. I'm tired of talking about Montez Sweat as one of the top pressure rates. That's great. That's awesome that he's impacting the game. Get me a sack, please. I'm glad you're in the backfield. That's step one. You've got to be there. Step two, finish the play. That's what we saw Deron Payne do last year, and look at him. He got paid, and deservedly so. I need to see that out of, a, out of sweat this year. And Chase Young, we've seen that out of him to an extent. Think of that last half of the year, his rookie season. Let's see that again, please. Can we please get back to that point? Can we please get back to the place where you're dominating the run game, you're dominating the pass game, and you are going out there and making plays for this team? And that's the beauty when you have four first-round picks across the defensive line. Those guys should impact the game in a huge way. Not a big way, not in some ways, in a huge way. They should dominate the game. The storyline after every Commander's game this year shouldn't be Sam Howell, shouldn't be Terry McLaurin, shouldn't be Jahan Dotson, and that's nice. Those guys are going to be included in the story, hopefully, after victories. Shouldn't be Brian Robinson. It should be the defensive line and how much the other offense couldn't run their stuff, how much the other team was thrown off because Payne, Allen, Young, and Sweat were just operating in the, the other team's backfield the entire football game and wreaking havoc the entire game. That's what I want to see. And hearing Deron Payne come out and say, that's our goal. I have big big hopes for them this year. I think that they can do it. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, Chris Russell, the rooster. You can hear him on the Team 980, 1-4 on weekdays. We're going to talk with him. He was out trading camp today. We'll get his thoughts on what Sam Howell looked like, what Chase Young looked like. Brian Robinson looks healthy. We'll talk about all that next here on The Fan.
1: We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for 25 bucks per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch.
3: What's up, Tub? How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me.
2: Absolutely. It was a hot one out there today. I know you didn't see me. I was there as a fan today. I was almost going to yell at you, but I was uh, out there. Yeah,
3: today. you're right. Hot. I didn't see you. Uh, wow. How are those bleachers?
2: Um, They're nice to be there. I'll uh, say that. They're not the comfiest, but yeah. at least there's something to sit on.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I would highly advise, you know, those uh, like foldable bleacher chairs, you know that you see at a lot of high school football games or soccer games or whatever. I would highly suggest uh, if you're planning on sitting on bleachers, uh, bringing one of those so that your uh, your uh, well your backside is not uh, so exposed and uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, but listen, it's it's got look it's got it's it's way better than it was. Not only to have a place to sit, but also an elevated view over the media, over when the team, as you know, lines up on the sideline. You can't see anything if you're a fan under the old format. Now you you can.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, looking at the turnout today, what was that like for you? You've covered this team. That was actually my first time ever going to training camp. So Mm -hmm. I don't have anything to base it off of. What was that like for you with all the fans out there?
3: Um, So, I mean, interesting is the way I would put it because I haven't seen a crowd like that anywhere close since uh, either 2013 in Richmond or 2012 back here at Redskins or back at the old Redskins Park, which is now, you know, what it is now. Um, And what I mean by that is, you know, Robert Griffin time, right? And in Richmond, Um, there were no bleachers, there were no place to sit other than a hill, and yet, you know, fans lined all all up. And, you know, the team, the team, I believe, had listed more in attendance, uh, back in 2013. So, Robert's second year coming off of a division title, but coming off the torn ACL and all that stuff like that was a bigger listed crowd than what was actually there today. But I argued to a senior official that this crowd today was bigger than anything I remember in Richmond. And I believe also even bigger than probably Robert's rookie year. I mean, leaving, you know, when, when I went to initially go to leave Toby today, they wouldn't let me out. They, the, the lines were so long to get out of the facility uh, because of all the, the bus transport back to Dulles Town Center and because of, you know, whatever VIP parking and whatever they, they had. And the lines were literally from the almost near the practice fields all the way up to and towards the bubble and towards Coach Gibbs Drive. For those that have been in Ashburn at the practice facility, I've never seen anything even remotely close to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, for your example there, Rooster, I knew I had to get back here. I was hosting the show starting at 3. I walked back to Dulles Town Center. Mm. I didn't want to have to wait in line because oh. it was borderline if I would make it in time.
3: Oh, my That's goodness. That's how long the
2: lines were. So oh, my goodness. It, it was incredible to see the crowds out there talking with Chris Russell, the Rooster here, 106.7, the fan, the Team 980, the Odyssey app, looking at what happened at practice today offense not very impressive what were your thoughts
3: yeah i i mean all three quarterbacks i thought really struggled today um you know i I don't know which one was worse but i would go with howell just because I, i i you know you notice him more than more than any uh you know some people on twitter are trying to claim that You know, it was tight coverage and that's why he's got to overthrow. And and yes, there, there are some elements that until, you know, unless I can really break it down with video and really slow it down, you know, I can't quite tell that with a first glance, but I, I mean, it was impossible. And I'm sure you thought the same thing and saw the same thing. It's just impossible to see how. He was over-firing Terry McLaurin twice up the near sideline to the grandstand. Uh Several misthrows and interception Uh that was picked off by, uh, Ch- uh was it Troy Apke? Was, uh, I'm yeah, I think Apke had one. And, Apke uh, had one, Warps but had the other. Who, who was it? Forbes had the other one. Right, right, six. right. Oh, Forbes was off a of howl. Apke was off a of brissette. That's what it was. Uh my notes kind of got ripped up in the heat uh <laughs> and uh uh whatnot. So I'm trying to piece it together here. But either way, it was not a good day for the quarterbacks. Now, is that a is that a uh you know result of so many throws over the last four days and maybe a little bit of a tired arm? Maybe. Um but it's for Howell. It seemed like he was overfiring, like lacking touch, not velocity, not lacking arm strength. I don't know if you shared the same sentiment, uh, but that's what it looked like to me. So you know, you hope that Monday when they come back and they'll have kind of a ramp up practice after the day off uh, on Sunday, and then Tuesday they'll be in pads. You hope that. The accuracy is there along with the, the, the arm strength and the velocity, because that's what I've seen more of, especially from Howell. I think Jake Fromm has been pretty good out. Uh, well, I, I thought he struggled Wednesday. I thought he struggled today. Uh, I, I thought he was pretty good on Thursday and Friday. And yesterday I thought Jake Fromm was the best of the three. Uh, and Brissett has been up and down all over the place. I mean, he throws a really pretty deep ball, uh, but, he is a little bit more inconsistent than I thought he would to be honest with you.
2: Yeah, I mean that's kind of what I thought looking at some of the things that you brought out about today. I'm interested though because, you know, I've seen one day of Hal. I was planning on talking plenty about him and talking him up, but it's kind of hard to after what I saw today at practice. But I still believe in the guy, but what did you see, you know, the first couple practices? Today wasn't great, but is that something you've seen all along, or no, is today a kind of an Yeah, I
3: mean, I thought he struggled a little bit yesterday, but not as bad as today. Uh, I mean, not in any way, shape, or form as bad as he looked today. At least, again, you, you know, if you're judging how bad, I mean, the Forbes interception, you cannot make that throw. That's thrown behind the receiver. It's a short enough pass. Um, you just cannot make that throw, and Forbes just just sitting on it and, uh, I think he threw it behind the left shoulder of the receiver, uh, and Forbes just picks it off. So he knows he can't make that. That's just a, you know, a bad, bad everything. Um, some of the misfires, you know, like, okay, sure, you worry about that stuff because that's plays lost potentially, but at least if they fall incomplete or out of bounds or whatever they might be, and several of them were, especially the ones along the sideline to Terry, at least you say, all right, you missed an opportunity there, but you don't necessarily hurt yourself. Now, over the last couple of days, what I have seen is, and I've mentioned this on my show, uh, you know, a guy who has better velocity than and. Better velocity and accuracy combined, combined than any quarterback I have seen down the pike since at least Robert. And that means Kirk Cousins, who was not a good training camp quarterback, who was not a good practice quarterback for a lot uh, of his time. Uh, and that's why I think there was a lot of indecision, you know, at times on Kirk Cousins. And then certainly more than Alex Smith and Case Keenum and Colt McCoy and all the uh, Dwayne Haskins, who was always high, uh, even though he had velocity. So I think. Howell, to me, stands and represents the best quarterback overall picture that I have seen since Robert. And it's not like Robert blew anybody's skirts up, but, I mean, it was the number two overall pick, so your expectation level, you know, was there already. You don't expect that necessarily out of a fifth-round pick, even though we know he went way lower than he was supposed to or thought to go. So I say overall, Toby, as long as you get – the Sam Howell that you got Wednesday and Thursday and parts of Friday, they're gonna be fine. Now, again, today was a little bit of a concern, uh, but I would also caution, um, we still need to see more of him under pressure and he's been under pressure at times and he hasn't looked great. Like when the defensive line really cranked up pressure a couple of times, he did not look great. So I'm really excited or interested to see, you know, starting with the Browns game uh, and then the Ravens joint practices. And if he even plays against the Ravens in that Monday night game, and you know, we don't think he'll play in that third game. I'm really interested to see when the bullets fly for real, when he starts to get hit, when he starts to get pressured, what that does to his accuracy overall.
2: Talking with Chris Russell here on the BetQL guest hotline, taking a look at the offense overall, what have you noticed different with Biennemi's enemy's offense and mm-hmm. Scott Turner's offense? I know it's still rudimentary stuff yeah. and maybe not too deep, but is there anything that you have picked yeah. up that's different with EV's offense? Sure.
3: I mean, there's a, a major focus on Brian Robinson getting the ball as a receiver, number one. Number two, the running backs uh, and tight ends are getting a lot of screens, a lot of quick throws, uh, a lot of you know, what you would call, I guess, quick game. Um, You know, I I would say, and and, and a lot of that is by design. You know, there's checkdowns. You know this. There's checkdowns when you're in trouble or when you have nothing downfield. And then there's running back screens by design. Um, I thought they did a pretty decent job at times of wide receiver screens, uh tight end screens under Scott Turner but there was never enough for me running back screens or running back routes if you will uh sir you know um uh, like a um a wheel route you know type of thing i've seen more of that from eric the enemy's offense than i have in scott turner's offense i don't think anybody would tell you anything otherwise now that being said the other thing you see is a lot more i think motion one uh you see different formations, you know, going say from three by one to a two by two split. You see Curtis Samuel, you see Terry McLaurin, you see other receivers at times, you know, kind of like uh being a like a jitterbug motion type guy where they kind of run from a wide receiver split behind the quarterback, and then maybe they'll move back to that same side just to give the defense something extra to look at. And without giving away too many trade secrets, you know, I, I think what you see is An offense that is going to be prevalent, uh, that is going to be heavy around the line of scrimmage and in short zone areas, uh, to get the ball out of the quarterback's hands, to let the receivers, running backs, tight ends make plays uh in space or to try and create a little bit of havoc but t- protecting that offensive line protecting the quarterback and then I think what you're going to also see I was having a conversation with Ben Standing of the Athletic and of course Odyssey DC he said you know like his point is is you know in Kansas City and so far what we've seen is there there's is more of an emphasis it seems like on the tight ends and on the backs Well, does that match up with the with what this team's strength is, which is the wide receivers, and that's a I think that's a fair question, right? So to me, I'm expecting to see a lot of Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson behind or around the line of scrimmage, smokes, little quick slants, little quick hitches, that type of thing, because that's how you can incorporate what your strength is on this offense, along with what Eric Bieniemy and the Andy Reid offense, if you will, likes to do.
2: And then shifting to the defensive side, talking with Chris Russell, the rooster here, 106.7, the fan the team, 980, live and free on the Odyssey app. Notice Benjamin St. Juice has been running with the twos, and then also they're running maybe a little bit of a five-man front at times. What are some of the things that you've observed about yep. the defensive side?
3: Yeah, I, I, you know, they, they ran a couple of 5-1-5s uh, throughout the last couple of days. And as a matter of fact, they got an interception Yesterday out of that, I think that was the one to Cody Barton, uh the new linebacker, and they've also blitzed Barton a couple of times, uh, which I really like because he's got a lot of downhill speed. Um So that's one thing. Um I've seen St. Juiced outside. I've seen St. Juiced inside. I've seen St. uh like you mentioned, with the second team, but uh certainly a lot with the first team and just all sorts of different pairings. You know, I know people get mad about the whole – a player versatility or position changeability thing. Uh, I get that. And I, I understand the frustration. You want guys to be good at one thing before you start messing around. They don't view it like that. So I've seen Danny Johnson in and out. I've seen Emmanuel Forbes only on the outside, but we saw him on the inside in May and June. But I've only seen him on the outside. But I've seen him paired with Kendall Fuller on the outside, with St. Justin on the, on the inside, if I could speak in English. I've seen Rashad Wild Goose on the inside. I've seen Tariq Castro-Fields uh, on the outside. I've seen... Um, you know, St. Juiced on the left outside with Fuller, uh, with uh, not with Forbes, because I think Forbes, they want to play on the left side. So I think if you are looking for St. Juice to be an outside corner, I think it's going to be him and Fuller uh, on the outside with somebody in the slot, preferably, in my opinion, Danny Johnson, maybe even Quan Martin, depending on how fast he develops. Uh, I think otherwise you're going to see as your starting base nickel or your primary base nickel. And they've shown a bunch of different kind of nickel packages where you'll have Fuller on the right corner, outside corner, uh, again, Emmanuel Forbes on the left outside corner, and St. Justin the slot. And by the way, I don't love St. Justin the slot. I understand he can probably do it. I understand he can get better at it. I don't love him there. It's not like I hate it, but I don't love it, if that makes sense.
2: No, I agree. I think last year you saw, didn't they try to start him in the yep. slot and he was better mm-hmm. when he slotted outside? No doubt. So no doubt. W- we'll see with that. Looking at the lines, because I think that's the big story. Defensive line I was talking about before you hopped on. I want them to be dominant. And then the offensive line, who knows what they're going to be. What have you seen out of the line unit?
3: Yeah, I mean, the offensive line has has struggled at times. Make no mistake about it. I mean, I you know. Uh, as you know, during a practice, a lot is going on at one time. So you're trying to try, you know, you're trying to track as many different things, uh, as you can, but often you isolate, right. And, um, you know, if you're really focusing on the offensive line, you're probably going to miss, you know, uh, you know, some other things. So when I've, when I focused on the offensive line, especially, I think it was Thursday, Chase Young. And Jonathan Allen ate them for lunch. And Montez Sweat has had a lot of good pressures uh, as well off the left side usually, which means right tackle Andrew Wiley. Uh, one of the new additions. Uh, Chase Young hasn't stood out to me the last two practices like he did on Thursday, but I thought Thursday he looked like the Chase Young. You kind of want to look, he had a couple of pressures in about five snaps and he and John Allen just collapsed the pocket on one and Chase beat Charles Leno uh, with an inside move on the very first snap of a team 11 on 11 drill. Now, again, I haven't seen as much of him making an impact over the last two days as I did on Thursday. Maybe I'm missing it. So I don't want to, I don't want to take credit away from him if I'm missing it, Tobe, but, you know, I, I, Thursday he looked very spry and active. So I need to see that more consistently is what I would say. Um, You know, without Deron Payne there, obviously you have Fedarian Mathis, who's coming back after missing almost all of his rookie year. So, I mean, I guess you haven't seen what they should be normally. I think they have pretty good depth with FA Obata, James Smith, Williams, um uh Casey Tuhill. Uh you know, again, Mathis normally is going to be a depth guy. Uh uh who's the kid they picked up from uh, Dallas uh last year that I'm Ridgeway. forgetting? It, who yeah, Ridgway, yeah, exactly. Um and then the offensive line again, look, uh it is what it is. I would say one thing that I saw today twice. Uh, in one team 11-on-11 11 11 period that I had not seen so far through three and a half days, despite some of the struggles of the offensive line, and, and make no mistake about it, they had struggled, was two really high snaps mm-hmm. from Nick Gates. And Sam Howell managed to corral both of them, but, I, you know, Toby, you needed a ladder to get to, I mean, you know, and I'm talking maybe about an eight-foot ladder to get to both of them, and somehow Sam Howell was able to grab them, tip them, uh, corral them, not have them turn into disaster. But if you have that as any sort of regular occurrence, that is going to be bad because they are really counting on Nick Gates to solidify that position after the absolute injury merry-go-round that they have had and some snap issues uh, as well, specifically with a guy like Wes Schweitzer and whatnot, uh, you know, that they've had at that position. So again, it was one day, it was one sequence, it was one team period, but two really, really high snaps. And now I'm concerned a little bit about that.
2: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, it's not like Sam Howell's the tallest guy. So yeah. Hopefully they can keep those things down. One last one here for you, a Rooster. Make it quick if you can. Uh, anything that has stood out in particular that you've noticed first couple days of training camp? I know we haven't even had padded practices yet. Anything stood out to you so far?
3: Yeah, I I mean, just to make it as quick as I can, I mean, I think the tempo is there, uh, one. I think um, what's interesting is they have not had any significant injuries. You know, a couple of guys banged up. And all this heat and humidity, they haven't appeared to have too many cramps or or, or muscle pulls or anything like that. So it seems like the guys are in pretty good shape, uh, if not really good shape, and hydrated and taking care of their bodies and all that. Uh, And they've had some really long practices the last couple of days, two hours. Plus, uh, so I, I think that's kind of interesting. They had an acclimation period, even though they've been in pads. You know, it's been a little bit chippy, a little bit physical, but not that much. Uh, but they've really worked hard. So I would say that's a good sign. And then the other thing, real quickly, is man, when Eric Bandomi barks, and I talked to Marcus Kemp today, who was with him in Kansas City and is now here replacing Cam Sims, and he just said, you know, he, he echoed what I've been saying all along. That dude ain't afraid to yell at anybody. I've seen him light up Brian Robinson. I've seen him light up Terry. McLaurin already in the first four days and Marcus Kemp said he is not afraid to light up
2: anyone that's fantastic Rooster appreciate the insight man
3: you got it to appreciate you
2: there you heard from Chris Russell the Rooster make sure you listen to him on the team 980 1 to 4 on weekdays and he joined us on the BetQL guest hotline sports betting has come to Maryland don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting betql.com. More football talk comes up next.
1: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better